Welcome to Merv Hughes Fishing, the podcast starring the one and only Kevin Hillier. Hey! Squizzy Taylor. Hi, Kev. And Mervyn Gregory Hughes. Thank you, Kevin. Now, there's a bit of a pause to start the show there, wasn't it? It was like a couple of seconds. Mm-hmm. Reminded me of the um, big polar bear walked into the bar in Queensland and said, give me a Bundy mm. and Coke. And the barman said, why well, the big pause? I'm a polar bear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. You give me nothing, oh, you blokes. No, um, <laughs> light, light start to the show, but we've got a pretty heavy show tonight, Kev, or today. I think I'll do some more readings from oh, the no, best no, no, insults. put that away. No, we have got a fairly heavy show no, because uh, the fish kill that you may have, may have heard that happened up in um, Indie Murray-Darling's Downs up yep. there. Um, it wasn't just the one fish kill. There was, in fact, three, and we're going to talk to a bloke that knows a lot about them, based in Menindee. Uh, we're going to have a talk to Graham McCrabb about uh, the situation and try and get a little bit more facts because a lot of people know bits and pieces about it. Well, we know what we've seen in the paper and in the yeah. press, which, yeah. which is from what we can gather and what we will find out shortly with, with Graham, is only the tip of the iceberg of yes. what's going on up there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and uh, as often happens in the media these days, they get a good-looking photo. What? For, and that's not when I say good-looking photo. You know what I mean? They yeah. get an emotive photo. There's no, there's no, there's no news in good news. No, well, true. Yeah. And this, so this get, is bad news. They get an emotive photo. They get yeah. some emotive footage and and film and stuff. And that's the story. And that's all they. And then there's no backup story to it. No, there no, hasn't been a backup no story to it. At all. There's been a lot of follow-up, as Squizzy said, on on social media. Um, with recreational fishers getting involved and wanting to know what's going on and um, basically having a talk to Graham, what, what we've got to realise as recreational fishermen, let's bind together and use our voice because yep. it, it may well happen in your area and if it does happen in your area, something like this, um, or a problem that's connected with fishing, then if you've got the voice of Australian recreational anglers on side, you've got numbers. It yep. is happening. You know, the, yeah. the, the, the fishermen are speaking out, yes. and, they, and normally they're, they're, they're you know head under the head in the sand. We'll let, let it go by. Yep. But they are speaking out on it. It's good to see on social media. Yeah, All right. right. Well, let's get to Graham McCrabb yep. and uh, and have a chat to him about uh, what is a very serious situation right here on Merv Hughes Fishing the Podcast. All right, joining us now to talk about a very serious subject in the world of fishing is uh, Graham McCrabb, who joins us on the line. G'day, Graham. How you going? Yeah, going well, mate. Now, Merv's going to tell us a little about what we're what we're talking to you about. Yeah, so the big fish kill up at, at Menindee, um, and you're from up that area, and basically, I reckon a lot of fishers away from the area can understand what's happened, but can't understand why it's happened and what impact it has. And a lot of guys that don't fish will be saying, well, what's this got to do with me? And I just want to have a talk to someone like yourself who's a local, who's passionate about the area um, and who knows about it to give us, I suppose, fill in those details about what what's happened up there. Um, so I suppose over a six-week period, we had three fish kills. The first one was uh, uh, mid-December and we lost about 83 cod from a metre up to a metre 27. Uh, the second one was the start of January, was fifth uh, and sixth, I think. We lost up to a million fish in that one, which was probably um, predominantly Barney Brim, but lots of silver and golden perch, and there's probably another 50 or 60 cod uh, died in that one. And then the, the last one, which probably got the publicity, we were a bit better at getting the story out. There was obviously millions of dead fish in that one. And again, the silvers probably stood out as a, um, lots of barnies, but the silvers stood out as the one predominant uh, native species that died in that. So uh, pretty distressing scenes, I reckon. And um, 
the sad part is that that's going to impact. We, we lost lots of the um, the cod and uh, not the cod, sorry, the perch that were bred in sixteen seventeen. The ones that were about a hundred centimetres long, we lost tens of thousands of them, both golden and silvers. And uh, this system provides eighty percent of the uh, the golden perch. I'm not quite sure on the numbers for the silver silver perch, but it's the recruitment of eighty percent of the um, golden perch for the whole basin. So if you want to catch a fish at uh, a chuka and it's a golden, there's an eight out of ten chance that it actually uh, grew out here at Manini and then got washed down in the next next flood. Uh, and we've lost that. So the next time. When you'd expect the next run of water to come down through uh, to push those fish back out of the Murray, that won't happen this time because they, uh, a, a massive percentage of them died in those. Fish oh well, pools. yeah. When you when you have numbers, fish numbers uh, dying like that, then there's no fish to push down, is there? So fishing in the in the Murray area, as you said, um, and downstream for where for where you are, where those fish normally get washed, it's going to be a bit um, thin over the next couple of years, by the sounds of things. Oh, I think it's probably longer term than that, Merv. It's, yeah. those, it's probably two lots of fish that were, were perished here. So, um, admittedly, there are probably still some golds and silvers downstream. From, but uh, certainly there was a lot of fish died that would have uh, been part of the, the fishing going forward from you know, 10 centimetres. You'd probably chase them at 35 or 40. They're two or three years away from that. So those fish just aren't going to be on the scene anymore. Yeah, mate, that's, they're huge numbers. And must admit, too, down here in the fish kill, I think most people generally thought it was just cod. But when you say it's um, silver perch and the golden perch, which is a yellow belly, um, that's a, a huge impact on the, the Murray Dowling system, isn't it? Uh, absolutely. And uh, yeah, it was, it was um, yeah, to see the perch, like, that's my favourite fish. That's what I chase. I don't yep. chase the cod so much here. So, Golden, we, you could go out here any time and catch goldens, and we had a pretty good catch and release process here in the town. Um, uh, I suppose we knew how important it was to the whole system, but now it was probably starting to get some publicity out on that. But, you know, there was a lot of goldens up around 50 centimetres all the way down oh. the small one. We, they, was just, they were just littered everywhere and probably didn't realise we helped the fisheries get some uh, some specimens so they could take the odorless. And that when they were dead in the water, the goldens looked like the silvers from uh, from a distance. When you actually started to poke through and realised the percentage of silvers that died in the kill, it was just staggering, to be honest. And it's just a waste. Protected right. species, endangered species, and they, they were just littered everywhere. Right. Uh, and I suppose for me, the next question is, how and why does it happen? Now, um, being a little bit naive about it, um, it's to do with um, lack of water. So Queensland are using water to, to irrigate, irrigate um, cotton. cotton and things up there. So they take a fair bit of water. Uh, there's a drought and there's a few other things. And it's, I suppose it's a, a heap of different groups pointing a finger at each other saying, well, it's not solely us, it's you. So it's a gathering of a lot of things, isn't it? It's not any one thing that's, that's created this problem. Uh, yeah, that, that's pretty right. Um, uh, the small and medium flows aren't getting down the river like they used to. Uh, the lakes were drained in uh, 17 to 18 by the Basin Authority for, for no real reason. Most people are pretty happy that that water uh, didn't achieve anything going downstream. Um, Basin Authority still seems to think that they had a, a good outcome, but um, they probably haven't got a lot of support on that front. So the draining of the lakes, um, the lack of inflows, and then obviously the drought, and uh, we had some quite hot weather. Particularly before the third fish kill, we had plenty of people saying they had a 50 degrees on their thermometer, so had 45 plus for seven, to yep. seven or eight days. So it was, was hot, lack of water, had a massive algal bloom in uh, in September, and we just never had enough water here and left in the lakes to actually flush that um, algal bloom out. 
Yeah, so it's, it's interesting too. And um, when, you, when you've got state governments involved, Queensland really don't care about what's happening down in New South Wales. New South Wales don't really care about um, what's happening in Queensland, so they don't really work together. Um, when they've got a problem, they'll say, listen, can you help us out here? And Queensland government, by the sound of things, are saying no. So to me it sounds like a federal government problem, but they're not prepared to take it on. Would that be right? Uh, yeah, I reckon, yeah, that's right. And it's super difficult when you have, uh, without trying to um, be really specific with politically, when you've got a water minister that his job relies on uh, on holding his seat and he's got to make decisions on embargoes and that sort of thing, he's under lots of different pressures rather than even just environmental ones yep. uh, to make that decision. That's why uh, the base authority was brought in originally to try and take away some of the politics out of it so those decisions be made a bit more independently. So, um, and that certainly hasn't happened and it's still not happening. The way the Basin Authority ended up being set up, it's under state politics. So they really answered the federal government and state governments and all the way through, and you've got five different competing groups. It's a, it's a damn mess at the moment. $9 billion spent out of 13, and we've got millions of dead fish here. Yeah. Um, it beggars belief. And, then, and the worst part, I reckon, as you look at it, there doesn't seem to be anyone showing leadership or, or any way forward to try and sort this issue out, to be honest. Yeah, well, you hit, you hit the nail on the head there when you say uh, they form a committee to look into the problem. And when they come up with a solution to the problem, they don't listen to the answer. So you sit there and scratch your head, well, why form the committee in the, in the first place if you're not going to listen to them? Yeah, definitely. Uh, there was a leaked report, I think, from 2012 from DPI uh, Fisheries saying if they continued with the, the water sharing plan uh, as it was in 2012, they'd end up with uh, fish facilities in the lower darling, which is, which is what happened uh, six years on took to come to fruition so and I think part of it that gets lost and it's really good to talk to people like yourselves is that uh, the cotton industry in Australia uh, which has probably been thinking about probably a little bit unfairly but it's a two billion dollar industry um, sure you're banned cotton they'll grow something else but as a two billion dollar industry New South Wales is uh, creational fishing is three and a half billion dollars. Uh, I'm not sure what it is in Victoria, but the numbers are pretty serious numbers. If you start taking away uh, native species, which you know predominantly people would catch golden perch in the in yep. the river, that would be their main targeted species in the Murray Darling. You're starting to have a serious impact on those sort of on those values as well. And I think that's been lost uh, up till now. It's, it's starting to get out there, but uh, definitely recreational fishing. If we actually could get our, all our heads together. Um, we could certainly have a lot more influence over water policy. Yeah, and I think the the big problem with the the recreational fishermen is that the guys that say fish down in East Gippsland, they'll say, "Well, I don't fish up there, so it doesn't really concern me." But certainly, if it's concerning recreational fishermen in one area, it's got to be a concern to all recreational fishermen for us to make a difference. Absolutely, and I think everyone should be concerned. And obviously, like we spoke earlier about the, the Murray Cod, I mean, that's the iconic one that, that's got the publicity through the fish kills because that's the most photogenic one, I yep. suppose, and it probably drags the most emotion. And uh, we do still have a very strong cod population downstream from here, but the, the golds and silks being smashed like they are and without any real solutions as to uh, how we can move forward and end up in this situation and how we can actually help uh, improve those stocks. If it happens in one area, as you say, yeah. it could happen anywhere. And if we if we could band together to try and support each other, it would certainly be a powerful voice when you start talking about billions of dollars of money spent each year. Graham Squiz here. Uh, there's talk down here because we see so much on social media and it seems like everyone's got a, a, an angle on, on what's going. It seems like a lot of self-interest filtering down from Queensland to, to New South Wales. They're calling for a Royal Commission now. Have you obviously heard of that? Would that solve yeah. the problem or is that just another 
Is that just another waste of money? I mean, what's what's the way to fix this? What's you know, your your view on how to fix this for the simple man? Oh, the, the river needs more water. So break, suppose, break the drought. Um, well, break the drought, uh, but, but I mean, but, but I mean, uh, my, my view, and it might be simple, yeah. is why are we growing cotton in Australia? I mean, I guess, I mean, that's a, that's a simple thing, or rice in Australia that uses so much water. Um, and then, you know, what kills me is seeing all these dead fish, and you're sitting in a boat, recreational fishermen do the right thing, they release fish, next minute you see on the TV all these dead fish in the water, after you've done the right thing, taken your two fish home and released them, bang, here it is. Back, all these dead fish, you know, are we wasting our time? Oh, absolutely. And this, uh, like, the, where the fish died, right where I fish, like they were dying in the back of my house here. Um, definitely, uh, fish I've let go died. It's heartbreaking, uh, no mate. It's heartbreaking. Oh, shocking. There's no doubt about that. The, I suppose, from a, a point of view, if you look at towns that rely on, on, on cotton or irrigation, then there's issues for those towns as well that rely yeah. on that sort of income. Mm-hmm. But I think that what's happened now, and, and it's was slowly starting to get out there, is that there's just too much extraction. The balance has gone too far one way. Uh, there needs to be some balance. If cotton can only be grown or any any sizable extraction like that for opportunistic crops can only be yeah. done in, in floods. If you were doing it in the flood like we had in um, 11, 12, 13, you couldn't pump enough water out of the river. There was 35,000 megs a day running through uh, Menindee at one stage. Uh, there's stacks of water in those times. It's a low and medium flow. So it's not per se a specific crop. It's the timing and the, and the ability to take water when, when the environment needs it more than what uh, more the environment needs it needs those low flows. So the, definitely the balance has gone too far one way. And when yeah. you've got ministers who are relying on votes in seats that rely on irrigation and you haven't got the basin authority being able to take the politics out of it, we're, we're never going to get anywhere until you can actually get an authority that is in, in charge and doing the job properly. And so a royal, a royal commission will fix that or are we just would creating... Help. It we just... would help. It would highlight some of the... Um, the discrepancies in, in water uh, extraction rules that we face in, in New South Wales. And uh, potentially, if you had some, I'm sure that's a way of getting some uh, reasonable outcomes of suggestions that could be uh, looked at if you had some bipartisan. There's no bipartisan at state or federal level. Yeah, well, that, was my next, that was my next question going to be, is, you know, would it be better for the federal government to take this over? I know they I know they handed it back to the states, but do they have to take it back over? I mean, is that going to fix the problem too or not? Uh, well, you're still going to have uh, politics involved in the middle of it. Yeah. There's much that they're trying to be bipartisan now, you've got uh, you're going to have conservative governments that are, are still very strongly focused on on um, production, mm-hmm. and you're going to have uh, non-conservative governments that are going to be focused more um, the other way. It needs an authority that's in charge. And I mean, the, the basic one for me is nine billion dollars spent end up with millions of dead fish. I mean, unreal, still, isn't it? Unreal. And we still can't get them to actually sit in a room to talk together to get solutions. They're still arguing about buybacks. Now. Yeah, it's, a, it's amazing. Is it, it seems to me that each group is pointing their finger at the next group saying, it's your fault, it's your fault, and not taking responsibility themselves. And the hard part is there's no one solution. As we said, there's yeah. probably a combination of effects that happened here. Yeah. Um, there's no good buying water back uh, on the Queensland border to have it come further down the river for people to still be able to extract that water. Mm-hmm. Um so buybacks alone are going to help. Uh, extraction rules all by themselves are going to help. It's, it needs a whole review, really, and a royal commission is probably the best way to review it. Yeah. But definitely needs some um, needs some drastic action. And like I say, the lake system here, which is under threat from a, uh, an SDL project, so they want to reduce the volumes of water held here in the lakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, going forward, that's going to have a massive impact on perch um, perch numbers right yeah. throughout the basin. As I said, it's just a it's a, a great – it's a recruitment place. It's uh, the plankton and that out in Lake Menindi, which allow the fry to grow out to fingerlings and then the shrimp that are out there as big as prawns for them to feed on. 
it's just that's why there's so many fish here. It's just a it's a yellow belly factory. Yeah. And mm. uh it's just not being looked at as a as an environmental uh, key part of the environment, it's looked at as a place that uh, water evaporates from. It's just, yeah, yeah. it's a hard argument. There's only 500 people in this town, so no yeah. votes, no money. Yeah, that's uh, a, yeah there it is. There yeah. it is. You well, the, big, the big one too is the Royal Commission. The one thing that a Royal Commission will do is raise awareness even more. People sit back and say, "Well, this doesn't concern me." Oh, hang on! They're having a royal commission about it. If I'm a if I'm a recreational fisherman, I should have a look at this because this can, can concern, and it's it's a huge concern Australia wide. That's what we're going to take on board. Yeah, this has been described as a, um, the canary dying in the mine. I think it's probably yeah. a bit more serious mm-hmm. than, than just that. It, it, it is pretty. It is going to have a massive impact through the Murray in the next, uh, you know, up yeah. to five years, I suppose. Um, so. Yeah, it's, I don't know. It's, it's disappointing. It's good to have phone calls like this where you can actually try and get that voice out there and keep it going so that people can be um, enlightened on the, how important the Menindee Lake system is. But, I, I, was uh, really, yeah. I was really hoping, Graham, that it become a, an election issue, but it's sort of, I don't know, without sounding rude, it sounds like it's died off a little bit now, pardon the pun, but um, it sounds like it's just sort of faded away a bit. I, I really hope it is because they, they said at one stage that it was, and, you know, no. yesterday's, yesterday's, today's news is, yes, is tomorrow's uh, fish and chip boat. Yeah, but, but the thing about it, if there's a Royal Commission, it means that there's enough people pushing Well, it's the only thing answers. that can – yes. I know a lot of people don't like yeah. Royal Commissions, but tell me what else to do. There's no, no. other – it's the only no. thing that's going to maybe help or fix it or bring awareness to, oh, to what it is. I can't see how we uh, – I, I think that's a push. I think it, it then has someone that's independent to look at everything from an objectional view rather than a, um, a vote-collecting view. And, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it certainly would make a, a, a big difference to it. So I would think from a New South Wales point of view, the water issue hasn't gone away here. Um the seat of Barlow, which is about one and a half times the size of Victoria, mm. um, that's that's been held by the Nationals for 59 years, I think. They had 49.1% uh, primary vote in the last election. They're hovering at about 30 or 31 in this election on, on water issues. So if you look at the Darling, like Berkbury, all those places all the way up, there's a, there's issues for just um, potable water. Uh, well, Kenya's going to run out of water for their fire services. Mm-hmm. Soon they've got a hospital there, so... All those issues, which you guys probably don't hear about down there, but they've certainly been uh, pushed through the state election. And I think the way it's going, once the federal election starts, it won't be forgotten. We had, uh, I think I had 11 media agencies in my phone last week when I counted uh, ABC International. The BBC is about to run a story tomorrow uh, worldwide. it's certainly still got some momentum, not the momentum we had when it was um, when it was in full flight. That's but right. It's yeah. not going away. Yeah. Well, that's great. Graham, what's your time frame? I mean, how how quickly does this have to be fixed to be able to make a, an impression straight up? Well, there's before the next rain, isn't it? There's mm. nothing that can be done right now. Sit here and talk. Unless we have water cut down, there's nothing we can do. But it's how that water is managed. Um, we don't even have an embargo on the water that comes into New South Wales at this stage. The minister has to sit there and look at it and decide whether he embargoes that water to come down the river or whether he allows some extraction of that upstream. So, I mean, um, yeah, it's bizarre. You would think that critical needs water would be – everything would be embargoed and you'd, you'd sit back and then decide whether you could take some water out for extraction, but it's still the other way around. So this election is going to have a big bearing on it in New South Wales, and obviously the federal election probably looks like we'll have a Labor government there. There's certainly more environmental focus. Tony Burke came out. Um, we haven't had an environment minister of state or federal come out here, mm-hmm. um, and Little Proud hasn't been out to look either. So um, 
as much as we've had a lot of political exposure, I think we've had 19 politicians, probably some of the key ones still haven't actually shown up in the ninny. Yeah, so the big one there, I reckon to get a voice, all recreational fishermen stick together because if this happens in your area, you want other parts of Australia to get on board too. Mm. So listen, you may may think as a recreational angler that this doesn't affect you, but down the track, at, 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 like we said before, it, it will will affect you in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just on that, on the on the um, on getting the story out. I'm sure there's a lot of people didn't realise that we had three fish kills. So we lost yeah. tens of thousands of fish in December and we just couldn't get that story out. No one wanted to know about it in December. Yeah. Um, so it, it's definitely recreational fishers need to take note when these events happen so that we can actually get a voice out and, yeah. and get people on. The fish sink here in two days after the kill. So if you haven't got a story coming out within a day, then you've got no chance of getting it out. So, um, yeah, it's... it's um, uh, it's going to happen again in the Darling, and that's the worst part. But, no, yeah, that's heartbreaking. all people to support, absolutely. Yes. Good way. on you, Graham. Thanks for your time. We really do appreciate it. Graham, thank no you. Worries, boys. Thanks, Graham. Thank you. We really appreciate it. Very informative. Thank you. There's the facts. There's a man who knows what he's talking he's about. passionate, isn't he? Uh, right at the very scene of the crime, if you want to call it that. Yeah. That's amazing, the, wasn't it? The bloody bureaucracy. I know. It's G- oh. yeah, I killed it. It's interesting, the, the question that you asked him there yeah. about uh, cotton farmers, yeah. you know, they, they don't care about. But if you're a cotton farmer and you're not an angler, Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So a lot of self-interest yeah, involved. Yeah, a lot of, lot of self-interest in involved. In this, yeah. And what's got to happen is the federal government's got to come on board and make decisions. They can't. They can't have. <laughs> oh, good luck with that. Yeah, they, and, and not. They, they've <laughs> got to do it. They've got to do it for the greater good. Yes. Don't do it for self-promotion. But uh, and we during, during that interview, we both looked at each other at the same time. When Graham said, "There's no votes in it," you went, yeah. well, "That's yeah, yeah. How true. How true. Yeah. No, no, yeah. stuffed in it." So yeah, recreational officials get right behind it because, like we say. It may may not be a fish kill in your area, but it could be a situation that that puts stress on your fishery. Well, you're one village, yeah. Mm. So you want you want the support of um, everyone around. We've got Australia. mates all over Australia yes. that are doing yeah. it. Guys in yeah. South Australia that has yeah. uh, Western Australia, so it's very passionate about yeah. what's happening there. Because no one likes seeing fish dead in no. quantities like that, especially no. when you do the right thing oh, as an no. as an amateur angler and you let fish go and you and you do the right thing. You buy your license uh, and then all of a sudden here's all these dead fish. Eighty eighty percent yellow belly. Eighty percent of the yellow belly population um, for that waterway comes from that area. Mm. So you ever think about you take eighty mate. It's hard enough to catch a yellow belly now. Absolutely. We I'm can't. going to have no chance in the next five or six years, <laughs> yeah. 10, 20 years. You, you might as well just give it up. Uh, but, uh, but, um, very, but the long-term effect very, is what uh, – yeah. for, for those of us who don't know a lot about the fishing industry, the long-term effect of what Graham was talking about there yeah. is quite frightening. Yes. You're not talking about fixing it when I said how quick can you fix yeah. it. Well, no. there's no quick no. fix. No, because yeah, you, you, you lost, you lost you, generations. You've got to, generations you've got to get fish. rain and then you've got to manage that water coming down. And that's – the mismanagement with the water, with with so many other things that, that are creating the problem. So hopefully, um, like we say, a Royal Commission um, will keep it in the news and hopefully there, there'll be some decisions made to, to help the situation. Yep. A, a very, very political show today for us. Yeah, well, very Royal, political, Royal but it was good. Are, it was a very informative. Royal Commissions are great, but they do take a long time yes. to, to get to a, a decision in the end. Yeah. Let's hope they can fast track this at least in that 
situation. And the big thing, the big worry for me is that if a Royal Commission about fish go to or go to a board that make a decision and none of them are fishers and don't understand the situation, you've got a real problem. But what they've got to do is have a look at the financial return that recreational fishers put into. We're talking about $3 billion. Yeah. You Um, put in around Australia. Mate, that is massive. Mm -hmm. And that's. Oh, yeah, that, that's got to be taken into consideration. Yep, absolutely. Now, we want to mention a couple of people. Uh, New Age Caravans is uh, one organisation we'd like to mention, and uh, the other one is Seabus. Seabus, New Age C-Bus Caravans. Boys. Listen, yeah. they're, they're on board for the fishing show. They're great supporters. Um, so, yeah, if you... If you <laughs> great lads, too. We took them out oh, fishing, yeah. didn't we, have a ball? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Parking up on the Gold Coast. <laughs> yeah, we, go, we go to Wagga next, next week, and yeah, we've got yeah. another representative from Seabus coming oh, along. So um, we find out more about what they do. Um, New Age Caravans. Yeah, if you're going to get a caravan... And you eight. Oh, Australian, good kid, good yeah, kid on those kid. caravans. The other Very thing, good. Kev, um, this is this comes out Thursday. Sorry about that. I, I just want to make a statement. Uh, we West Point Ford have been a, a great supporter of mine for gee, thirty years now. Um, got a big promotional weekend. So if you're looking to or looking at a new car, or you're looking at having a, a test drive, uh, West Point Ford in Hoppers Crossing. Come down Friday, Saturday, have a test drive. I'll be on hand, Squiz. Really? Oh, yes. I come oh. down test drive. I'll oh, take well. you out for a test drive. I love your Ford. We'll go straight to the pub. I love that. Have Ford Ranger's got that uh, Ford Ranger bloody beauty. Yeah, come on, Danny. If you're around the area, you're thinking about a new car, um, yeah, come down to West Point, tell them you're a mate of mine, get a $500 discount. The Fishing and Boating Minister is uh, suggesting that we should have some sort of angling uh, slogan on number plates. So if you're buying a new car, you want an We fish, we vote. We fish, we vote? Yeah, no, that's an old one. That's about 20 years old. Oh, okay. I stole that one. What about catch us if you can? Uh, Wouldn't that work? What would you have on yours? Haven't caught anything for years. Gee, where's the slogan? My, my <laughs> straight off, my, straight my, off, bang, it's hard. My, I can't my get one. Is all okay, right. get one. She, she reckons the slogan for my. She, she keeps, she constantly tell, telling me that sitting in a boat all day with a rod in your hand doesn't make you a fisherman. What does it make you? Well, it depends what sort of rod you got in your hand. <laughs> I got one. I got one. What I don't make the tides because I used to tell that to my old girlfriend. That's why she's the old girlfriend, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> That was your story. Well, she used to say, Why do you always go fishing? I said, I don't make the bloody tides. You know, you got to fish tides. So. Right. Mm. Okay. That, I, thought it was, I thought it was quite humorous. But that yeah. isn't why you went fishing. Don't you go fishing to catch fish? Yeah, sometimes. Or to get out of the house. So, and for a bit of peace. All yeah. oh, right, okay. No, I'll leave no, it at that. I'll leave so it at that. If you're listening to this, that's not true. That's not that's not true. We love not you, Susie. Love we love you, you. Susie. Yours should say Susie was right. Yeah, yeah. That's what yours yeah. should say. Yeah. What, what would yours say? Uh, no idea. I'm a peckerhead. That's what yours would say. <laughs> at least you've cleaned it up. What you normally call me. Um, it's been a pleasure as always. Yeah, listen, it's been been a <laughs> really important message. Political, yeah, yeah no, really bit important of a political message. show, but it's a message that needs to get out and and probably we earn on the side of time, we probably should have done this two months ago. Yep. Okay. No. Uh, and look, uh, we'll obviously up on the uh, on the Murphy's Fishing uh, uh, Facebook page. Yep. So uh, make sure you tell your friends all about that and, uh, you know, subscribe to uh, to Spotify or to iTunes and make sure you never miss an episode of the uh, the podcast. Thanks, Squiz. Thank you, Kev. Thanks, Have, Thanks, have Thanks, another Kev. great week in the world out I there, shall Squiz. Do. I uh, shall and, uh, and may your Friday night just keep repeating itself, Squiz. And repeating and repeating. And repeating. And repeating. And repeating. <laughs> you, deserve, you deserve nothing but All the things, happiness Squiz. that I can get. That's and, right. And your number, plate, Squiz, will say... Three, 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 three. No, no, I Lucky died happy. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. I want to go fishing Cause it takes my stress away I want to go fishing 
Try and kiss my blues away 